Hello, I'm Pauline Jennings. Welcome to Musician Talk. Ben Howe is a Minneapolis-based accomplished musician and artist, and he is my guest today. He's not only a versatile keyboardist, but also an audio engineer, music producer, songwriter, session musician, and music director. Starting his musical journey at the young age of four with drum lessons, he quickly expanded his skill set to include guitar and piano. Since the age of 16, he's been actively performing in Minneapolis with bands of all genres, and he currently serves as the music director at Woodridge Church in Medina. Ben has played on a whole host of other artists' recordings, as well as his own, of course. Let's find out why Ben's talent is in such demand. It's time to talk with Ben Howe. Welcome, Ben, to Musician Talk. I'm so glad to have you on. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to talking with you today and going through uh, some uh, music talk. Yeah, good, good, good. Well, I like to start at the beginning, and you started playing drums at four. How did that come about? Yeah, well, I, I went to church with my parents, and I remember very vividly standing on the seats at the church. We were meeting at like a high school at the time, and I remember seeing the drummer, and just like four-year-old Ben was like, oh my gosh, that is the coolest thing I think I've <laughs> ever seen. I want to do that. I want to be a musician. So I've actually known that I wanted to do music since I was four years old. Like it was like the only thing that I wanted to do ever. Wow. So I ended up asking my parents if I could get drum lessons. They were very kind. Let me make lots of loud noises in the basement for many years. Um, and they got me lessons at a excellent teacher named Kevin Teachout, who was um, really great, really loved him as a teacher. And so I think I love music because my first teacher was really great. Oh, that and, helps. Uh, yeah, it really does. I've had some good teachers over the years and then some I've had, well, one teacher that wasn't so great. And it really helps having a great teacher, especially so early on. Yeah, that's how I started with drums. I ended up uh, starting piano, which is my primary instrument now when I was six. Uh, I was mainly classically trained until uh, later on. And then I started playing guitar when I was eight. Um, drums <laughs> kind of... 18. no. no. <laughs> <laughs> no, drums kind of dropped along the way. And um, now I, I sort of dabble on lots of things, but keys is really my primary. Well, what a great beginning for a piano player to to take drum lessons because it is a percussive instrument. And so I'm sure that that really helped you with your piano playing and uh, the rhythms and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and after you learn a number, enough instruments to a certain level of proficiency, music just sort of becomes a language and every instrument is it's like you're not learning a new instrument you're just learning the technique for an instrument but like music stays the same to a certain extent so it's really like like if i was going to pick up violin i'm not relearning music i'm just learning how to like the techniques for a violin if that makes any sense so oh, starting on drums totally helps with piano and like having played piano that totally helped with guitar etc and then each instrument kind of builds on itself i kind of liken it to language it's like when i'm learning languages is one of my um like hobbies and the more languages you learn the easier it gets because it's like it stops being a really difficult thing conceptually and you just sort of learn the techniques of each language and yeah anyways yeah. That's a, I love that idea. I've never heard that before that it's a language and you're not relearning the language, you're just you're just picking up techniques to to speak that language in a diff with a different instrument. Yeah. Um and I particularly think that that's true when you 
when your bass is piano, because it seems like piano fills all the holes where if you, let's say you start on the flute, you may not, you won't, you won't know chords necessarily or be taught chords and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so the piano just kind of fills every single hole, the percussive side, the chordal side, the melody side, everything. Yeah, it's sort of a cheat code if you uh, want to <laughs> like launch to other instruments. And then also just with theory, if you go deep with theory on piano, everything is visual. Um, so I, I play a number of other instruments. So I, I, I mean, to different levels of um, fluency, but I play pedal steel, electric guitar, acoustic bass, um, like the primary main ones. And then some other ones I can like get around. But as I'm playing those, I have my mental piano in my head. You know, and, and like if I want to play a line or a melody on guitar, I'm thinking through it on piano because I can see the notes that I want to play. And then that translates to whatever instrument I'm playing. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it does, um, because that's what happens to me. I'm not a piano player, but I took piano lessons early in my life. And now everything in for when I sing, it's it's the piano staff. It's the yeah. it's I, I can the intervals and all that kind of stuff that that's how I visualize it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. it's a, it's a really, it's really helpful to be able to visualize theory and that crosses over for every instrument you'll play at least any Western 12 tone instrument. Right. You know? Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So Ben, what happened then? Okay. So you picked up the guitar at eight that go on from there. Yeah. Well, at that point, um, just practiced and worked away at it for a number of years. And then I, I, I was really lucky. Um, what, one thing you'll find for a lot of musicians is a lot of musicians get their start in church and they learn uh, from playing in church, usually because yeah. there's a need. Um, so when I was 12, I, I was at a, was a smaller church. There are probably a couple hundred people that were part of it, but they really needed a keyboardist. And they're like, hey, Ben, we don't have anybody. You kind of play piano. Would you like to play with us? And I was like, yeah, I would, of course. Um, and I sucked and I was terrible. Um, but I, I pick things up fast and so i'd figured it out and i would like study every record every week and i would try to match every chord note for note because i didn't know what i was doing so i figured if i just played what the, was on the record then i'd be good and so i had like probably a couple of years where i'd like transcribe every single chord of every song like exactly note for note to make sure i was not going to sound terrible did you um, know what a gift you were giving yourself at the time and how much that would help you later in your career to be transcribing that much at such a young age. Wow. No, and it wasn't like it was anything super difficult. I mean, we're talking like standard contemporary Christian music from like late two thousands, you know, it's like not anything crazy, but just like trying to hear what's the leading tone in that chord. What inversion are they playing? How, like, like how are they voice leading through these chords it's, it's not it wasn't anything crazy but right that crazy to you you understand that everybody listening yeah. is going what <laughs> yeah, okay, what maybe. a version what it, and it, and it's it's not that it has to be crazy difficult just to me yeah. anyway just getting the discipline and the ability to listen and pick a note out of an instrument in a recording and to be able to put it on paper is huge yeah. huge yeah so yeah. I, I learned a lot doing that I didn't really have any non-classical training until I hit college. And so before college, everything I learned that wasn't classical was all self-taught. So I learned a lot about just like how to move through songs harmonically, how to make chords sound good, like what notes sound good together, et cetera. And it wasn't things I was consciously thinking through, but you just start building muscle memory as you hear things and build patterns. 
so yeah, I did that. I started leading the, like the youth worship team when I was also 12, which was probably a little too early, but (laughs) I I did and it worked. Um, and then I've been playing in church ever since. Um, so that, that was all pretty consistent. until I was 16, when I was 16, I did uh PSEO full-time, which is, uh, where you do college and high school. So I basically skipped junior, senior year of high school, went straight to college, um, and did, uh, two years for keyboard performance and audio engineering at, uh, McNally Smith college of music. Okay. Yeah. So not only do you work really hard, you're very smart too, which also helps with the theory, the theory part and really grabbing onto that early. I don't know if I'm smart, but I do love theory. <laughs> so <laughs> Well, you gotta be good at math. I, 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 I think if you're going to be really good and grasp theory at a very, very basic and, and deep level, yeah. both if it's math, it's all math. Right. Yeah. That, Music that is all math for sure. If you, if you think about it too hard. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Okay. So you went to school at McNally, which closed and my husband, Steve taught at, and yeah. um, thank God you got out before they closed. Yeah. Well, right. it was actually interesting. You said you had two years. Yeah. yeah. I did two years. I was going for my associate's degree. I had a bit of a funky thing personally where I, I was trying to self do a couple college courses you can self-study some college courses and test out of them it's a sure. thing we'll get it into um but so I, I had three generals left and i said if i can I, i'm gonna take a gap year and if i can make a living i'm gonna come back and just finish my three classes get my associate's degree so i have it because i put the work in and then if i can't make a living i'll come back and go into debt and get my <laughs> bachelor's and then pray i can make a living after that and but then the school shut down so i was like well i guess i just have to figure this out and it all ended up working out really well i gig at a really good church and uh sort of teaching playing gigs around and just making it happen ever since so it ended up being all right. Awesome. I'm so happy that it did that that because those were not easily transferred credits because it was such a specialized school. Yeah, yes. a lot of people got yeah. screwed in that deal. Yeah, I know a lot of people that uh, weren't, weren't as fortunate, at yeah. least career wise, for sure. Right. So I I consider myself very very lucky, and, and, and to be on the instrument that I'm on too. It's there's a lot more work to be found than some other instruments. So definitely, definitely yeah. more piano than guitar. Because there's yeah. so many guitar players out there, it seems to exactly. me. Okay, so you went to college. After college, you started playing, um, and you continued to play in the church. And when did you start playing? I mean, that's professional work, obviously. When did you start playing outside the church professionally? Yeah, 16 or 17. Um, pretty much right as soon as I hit college, I started trying to gig. Um, I'd say yes to anything, really. There's a short period of time, maybe like a year, year and a half, where I played with like a classic rock cover group. I I, I started playing with Blue Water Kings when I was 17. Wow. Um, for those who don't know that are listening to this, Blue Water Kings is just a, a company in town that puts together bands for weddings. Um, but like all the top players in Minneapolis, for the most part, are all a part of it. So wow. hopping into that is like a very fresh 17 year olds it was very intimidating so but I, I started playing with them when i was 17 i had uh one of my keys teachers kevin gastangwe um he got me in which was a huge uh blessing i don't know why he did that i don't know if i was ready yet but he did and i learned a lot from that those would be the main main things i gigged with through through college ben what did you start writing yeah well i i've written pretty much 
I don't know, probably since I was 12, I've got no books mm-hmm. filled with music since I was like 12. And it was all just awful until I was probably, <laughs> <laughs> until I was probably 19 or 20-ish. I have like a couple good songs from like the 18, 19 year old era, but um, that was not, writing is not something that came naturally to me. It was like very much a labor of love. It took me like eight years to realize that not every line needs to be a perfect rhyme. Um, You know, (laughs) so um, I've written forever, but I would say the last like three years, I've actually gotten to a point where I'm a pretty consistently good writer, not the best, always learning, um, growing how did you yeah. work at songwriting if it wasn't if it wasn't the fit that like piano was and guitar was and drums was if you had to work at it how did you how did you work at it yeah well I didn't know I was bad yet <laughs> oh, I see understood <laughs> you know when you're a kid and you write a song and the rhymes you're like hey sweet look at that I wrote a song you know right so looking back hindsight 2020 I don't think I knew how bad I was when I was writing um, I, I also wrote pretty inconsistently. Um, I focused more probably on like technical playing than writing, but um, I, I, I did write all throughout those years, but it wasn't like a daily habit that I had built in. It was more like, you know, every so often I pick it up and go, oh, maybe I'll try and write a song. Um, yeah. So you just kept picking it up and picking it up and picking it up. Yeah. For how, a lot of years. how do you think you found your voice? I mean, saying that, let's say in the last two and three, three or three years, you're feeling really good about what you're writing. How did you, so you must've come into your voice a little bit here and, um, yeah. or a lot. How do you know how that happened or did it just happen? That's a good question. I'm still finding it. And that's actually something I think about really frequently because especially when I first kind of like broke through the wall of writing and like could actually make decent lyrics um every song i'd write it would like turn into something completely different than the last thing i did it'd be like oh this is an r&b song what on earth wait why did i just write a country song i'm not a, like i don't even listen to country finding my voice is still something i'm working on when i write i don't accidentally write genres i am not involved with anymore <laughs> which is good and helpful I am sort of slowly honing into my my sound. I, I found that I, I really the things I, I am the best at would be like singer songwritery, um, beautiful songs, usually with some like ambient etherealness to it. Sure. Uh, yep. And I'm trying to hone in more on the like pop side of things because I I really enjoy pop music a lot, and I would like to do more of that. And so realistically, I think where I will probably end up landing is somewhere mixed in between those two worlds of like, I really love the current Minneapolis pop thing. I don't know if you're aware of the current guys. There's dudes like Caleb D, Landon Conrath, uh, Grayson DeWolf, Yam House. There's a bunch of uh, groups in Minneapolis that are doing really cool stuff. So I'd like to find some sort of like marriage between that and then like my ambient, ethereal, singer songwriter type stuff. But I haven't landed there yet, and there's still lots of room for me to land somewhere else. We'll see what happens. Right. Oh, good. We'll have to catch up with you in five years and see, yeah. <laughs> see yeah. where you're at. So what is your process? I mean, and this goes deeper than just writing words, because correct me if I'm wrong, you produce your songs and do you play all the instruments typically, typically yeah. uh, a couple songs i've had uh, guitarists come in for okay uh, but i usually play everything else yeah and and they're not 
just guitar, acoustic guitar and voice. They're, they're very much a production. The ones yeah. that we're going to hear today are anyway. And, um, so what do you start with? Do you have a process or does it kind of just happen differently each time? So let's just talk about moving on, um, yeah. which is the first song we're going to listen to. What was your process to getting there, which is kind of more that ethereal a kind of sounding song that you're talking about has that feel to it? Yeah. So in general, I, I find that if I'm going to make something that's more full production, usually like more upbeat, I start with the production. I'll lay out. Uh, drum groove, I'll get some basic elements there and then start writing to that. Um, and then if it's going to be more like singer-songwriter-esque, I'll usually write it first and then come to production later. So with um, Moving On, I wrote that song first and then came to it with production afterwards. Um, before when I meant production, I guess uh, I just want to explain what I mean is that you're in the studio, you're doing the recording, you're putting the effects on, you're you're deciding what goes where. You're engineering the whole thing, deciding what instruments are on it, um, and and all the sounds and all that. And yes, and that yep. is, so it's it's amazing. And the reason I guess you can come to these songs in so many different ways is because you have so many different talents. And that uh, what a gift! What many what many gifts you have! Amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. So this song, um, moving on, which we're going to play first. Uh, oh, it is so beautiful. I love just from the first note with the acoustic guitar. It's it's just beautiful is the only word I can think of. I mean, it's mm. just beauty. And um, is there a story behind the lyrics? That's a really good question. So I, I'm I'm probably abnormal as a writer. I think most writers tend to be more emotional individuals. And that makes for really good writing, right? And I've always been a very stable, even keeled person. I don't like things don't hit me super hard. Things don't rock me. Like when, when I wrote this song and I had like one relationship ever. So I don't have like a whole bank of bad relational experiences or good relational experiences to pull from. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the time what I'll do is I will like write a short story um, and then I'll write surrounding that story or I'll take an experience that I had um and then i'll like take a snippet of it and then i'll make a story out of that snippet because i at least have like some form of emotion attached to that and then i'll sit and think about that story that i wrote and then try and like get myself in the headspace like if i was like really emotional how would i feel about this like how would how would this hit me and then I'll, I'll write around that so i have to like almost get analytical about it that's so yeah. funny i put down synth synth choices inspiration or more clinical and so you're, you're kind of talking about that right now about the yes. two sides of that coin nicely done with your story that you created for this song it's a beautiful song and um and as you said you play all the instruments on this song yeah yeah were there any so. challenges to producing this or in any other way yeah every song is its own challenge and i think most artists deal with this and especially when you're like me and you try to do everything yourself um you always have like this thing where you feel like you're never quite done you just like keep on working at it keep on working at it. something can always be better and be different and then finally go okay i've got all the parts out i just gotta i gotta move on i've got my vocals tracked as good as i'm gonna get them and then i'll move to the mixing stage and you know, then I'll have like 15 revisions. And at some point you just got to go, okay, I surrender to the song. I'm just going to, I like, it's good enough. You know, did you have any particular joys with this song? 
I really like this song. <laughs> well, I'm glad we're going to play it today then. Yeah, I really in do general, too. In general, I really actually enjoy this song. My falsetto, when I sing, I don't always love how it sounds, but I really like how it came out in this song. So let's listen to, moving on, a song written by my guest today, Ben Howe. He not only wrote the song, but he played all the parts. He produced it, he mixed it, he engineered it, and he mastered it, I bet. So here it is.
This is Pauline Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. You just heard Moving On, an original by my guest today, Ben Howe. He also played all the instruments and did all the production work on this song. Um, Okay, so I already said I love the opener. The acoustic is just beautifully done. But my goodness, what I really, really, really love and I can appreciate because I've worked on this stuff before is the the effects, the, the, mm. the sound you have, your voice is beautiful, by the way. I love it. And the reverb you chose or you found or delay or whatever it is, is just gorgeous. It's not too much. It's not too little. It's just perfect. And the way it plays, the way you had it play with the guitar, the sound you had on the guitar and the effects you had on the guitar is, is wonderful. And, also pristine and i would also use that word for your guitar playing because it's not like mm-hmm. there, there's no fret sounds there's no missed uh strings it seems to me it um i love it and and then the, the choices that you 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 did with on the synth which i think it's a synth there's a whooshing sound in there and and then you got a hammond organ in there too don't you i do i'll darn it which <laughs> i love yeah wow well done really really well done it's Thank beautiful you very much. So Ben, you're the music director at Woodridge Church in in Medina. Yes. Um, and so when you're a music director at a church, what do you do? That's a great question. Uh, the role of music director, I think, can be kind of um, it can kind of fluctuate depending on the church you're at, the environment you're in. In my particular role, I have a worship pastor who's above me, so I typically say like anything that's like I guess like more spiritual or like big vision. Um, is typically her role. Um, and more often than not, she'll actually plan the sets. So she'll pick the songs, make sure it's like fitting vision wise with what the sermon is going to be. And then my job is like nitty gritty music details. So I'll, I'll look at the set that we have for that week. Um, and I will plan it all out. And I usually create a sheet each week that tells people like which sections they're coming in on, what the section should sound like when they'll exit general notes for their parts uh, I get nitty gritty, uh, which not every music director does it that way, <clears throat> but that's how I do it. Cause that way we all can show up, be on the same page and yeah. hit the songs. Well, I bet and the then, musicians really appreciate that. So other than catastrophe, which we'll talk about in a second, do you have a, uh, uh, and the blue water Kings thing that you do periodically? Is there any other group or project that you're working on? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, right now, I guess the main artist that I'm playing with live would be a guy named TYSM. He's like a Korean rapper uh, in town. Super, super cool. Really high energy sets. It's a lot of fun. With that particular gig, uh, the majority of my playing ends up just being like weird synth sounds and like noises, (laughs) which is a lot of fun for me. Oh, I bet. Uh, I have a great time with that. So I get to play with uh, him. It's like my main um, gig that's not cover gigs at the moment so i met you because steve wanted you to play in catastrophe three so for those of you that don't know what that is it's a broadway review in which uh the actors sing songs from roles in which they would never get cast so a lot of women singing men's roles men's songs are songs from men's roles and people like me who have aged out of quite a bit of ingenue type roles and leading lady roles we get to sing some of those songs we maybe have missed being able to sing in our, in our acting career. And um, Steve Jennings, my husband is the band leader and we had the guitarist and we had the pian- pianist and we had a drummer and a bassist. And Steve was like, well, if we could get Ben 
if we could just get Ben to do this gig, it would it would elevate the music like a hundredfold. Um, not only because you're so good. Um, oh, let me turn that around. Not only because you'd fill all these holes that, that exist in orchestration um, that you can't cover on the instruments that we had, but also because, and mostly because you are such a great talent and you work hard and you know what you're doing and your instincts are spot on. And I'll tell you, um, we did the Castastrophe 3 in September and we're doing it here in January. And so I had a chance to have to hear you play and the choices that you made on what you play on all those songs is incredible. And I won't stop there. I'll say, uh, I'll just explain it a little bit more. Let's say you hear a song that has a whole orchestra and now we have guitar. There may not even be a guitar part in this, in the song. We have piano and you can cover a lot with the piano. We have drums. So what Ben does is he listens to the song. Actually, why don't I let you say what you did? So when you were <clears throat> preparing for Castastrophe, how did you choose? I mean, you can't cover all the orchestra parts. How did you choose what to do on the songs? That's a great question. Um, it's sort of a song by song thing, and it depends on what the song calls for. But let's say it's uh, like a song with full orchestration. Um, like what's uh, a guest on? That's a song with from Beauty and the Beast. Right. Uh, that's a song with full orchestration. There's a lot going on. One man with two hands can't cover all the parts and definitely can't make it sound exactly like it was in the um, record. <clears throat> so what I do and try to approach or the way I try to approach it is I listen to the song and you just see what sticks out the most. There's usually like the prominent lead lines or like the prominent melodies that stick out in the orchestration. Um, so I'll, I'll listen through and I'll just go, what is like the most prominent things? Um, and then I chart those out and then I get sounds together um, so that I can play try to play those prominent parts with the original um, orchestration intended. So maybe it's supposed to be like a brass line. Um, so then I need to get brass sounds that sound good. And then I can play those exact lines with the brass, but there might be 15 different things going on at the same time. And I need to pick like the two that are going to make the most impact and make it sound most like the record. Cause you can't do everything. Right. So, yeah. Just listening. Use your ears, go, what would be the best um, to cover? And then you you pick and choose. And and you say pick and choose like it's an easy thing. I mean, my goodness, the the choices you have on just like let's say a flute are like hundreds, right? And the and these sounds that you can pick which 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 trumpet sound you want or which brass yeah. sounds you want. And so this again back to Steve wanting you because he knows he knew that your choices were always spot on. And so um Hey, come to the show and you can hear Ben play all these different yeah. parts on his synthesizer. And you also play guitar in a couple of songs, but we'll, it will talk about the dates of that coming up at the end. We need to move on to the next song. So what's the story behind when I met you? Yeah. So I, I, this is a song that I really love. Um, and I, I think I had more people play on this song than any song I've worked on. It's been a while since I wrote this one, but I just wanted to write a pop song. And so I wrote a pop song. There wasn't like a great story. I think I was trying to go, oh, you know what it was? I, I've been listening to the Chainsmokers and I I love the way they tell stories throughout some of their songs. Like I, that's something that I'd never tried to do. Like there's like a story arc throughout their yeah. song that's going that 
it's like very specific details and they'll talk about like a location, like specific things that kind of pull and tie in. And I thought, I want to try and write a song like that. So this was sort of my attempt at that. Folk yeah. pop. Folk <laughs> pop. Folk songs do that. They tell stories a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Specific yeah, stories. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that, that's sort of how the song started. And then I just wrote based off of those prompts. Um, yeah. Well, so who else is playing on it? There's a really wonderful bassist in town named Ian Allison. Um, and then I had a buddy named John Nelson do the guitar solo that's in like the little funky outro bridge thing. Cool. Um, and then I have another friend named Danny Solano who's out in LA and he did like a lot of the funky guitar choppy stuff um, that's in there. So th- uh, those would be the three people that played on it other than myself. All awesome musicians. As evidenced by the song. Love the groove. I love the interplay between the guitars. Um, everything has its spot. Everything mm-hmm. has a spot. And that not only has to do with the players being so good, but also your in- engineering. So let's listen to When I Met You, a song written by my guest today, Ben Howe. He is also singing on the, on this track. So here it is. how it is, yeah I was walking around L.A. Said ain't no use in changing things, no That's when I met you And everything changes when I met you
This is Musician Talk, and I'm your host, Pauline Jennings. My guest today is Ben Howe, and you just heard him perform his original tune called When I Met You. Great pop song. Nicely done. (laughs) And the percussion is so cool. The percussion is so cool in this song. I want to move to the quote here, and it is a quote by Quincy Jones, a fabulous, fabulous producer. Um, uh, And he said, excellence isn't an act. It's a habit. Yeah, that I actually have a little quote that reminds me of that's I have it taped to my speaker right above my computer. And it says, you don't get out of life what you want. You get out of life what you are, which sort of reminds me of this where excellence, excellence isn't an act. It's a habit. Um, if you want to be really excellent at something, um, that's great if you want that, but to actually become excellent, you have to like have habits and discipline to become those things. Um, like if you want to be an excellent person, you have to do things consistently that lead you down that path to become that. Um, discipline isn't something that comes supernaturally to me. So that's something I'm always working on and striving towards to be where you are already at such a young age, you had to develop your excellence into a habit. Maybe you won't use the word discipline, but there had to be some kind of discipline in there to to be the kind of player and the excellent musician you are. Yeah, there is intense curiosity and a real enjoyment of learning about it. I've taught a lot of students at this point, and the students who do the best and learn the most aren't necessarily the ones that are the most disciplined, although they definitely excel. Um, the ones who do the absolute best are the ones that just like, I'll give them an assignment and go, hey, we're going to learn about triadic inversions this week. And they just go, that's so cool. And they just like want to <laughs> learn about it because it's cool. Okay. So is it not yeah. discipline if you if you like doing it? It's both because every artist hits points where they don't feel like doing it. <laughs> Um, and then even if you're super, super into it and like, you just are super curious and love it. Um, discipline is still going to make a huge difference. Um, I've had really immensely talented students that were interested, but just couldn't quite get themselves to do the work. And they just sort of flounder and it's like, Oh, you could be so good if you tried, you know, like put in some time. So, um, yeah, excellence isn't an act. It's a habit. I I totally agree. You've got to build the habits that keep pushing you forward. Nice. So do you have anything for me for best gig, worst gig? I sure have a worst gig. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about a best gig. All Um, right. Give it to us. Give it to us. But it was my very first Blue Water Kings gig. I got the set list for the gig. So this is my first wedding gig that I've ever played. And I'm totally new to the Minneapolis scene as a player. I'm 17. And all the players that were on for this night were players I've heard about and like wanted to play with. And they were like, in my mind, the, like some of the big dogs in yeah, Minneapolis. Yeah. And I was like, I got to like make my mark. I got to like do really good, do my prep. And I ended up, they didn't send the set list out until four days before or three days before. And there were 52 songs. (gasps) (laughs) And it was my first wedding ever. So I knew exactly zero of them. And so for the listeners, if you don't know, as a keyboardist, you're expected to, you don't just cover piano, you cover piano, you cover roads, you cover organ, you cover all the string lines. On that night, I covered all the horn lines. And then if there's any synth lines, you have to learn the synth lines. Then you also have to 
um, create the synths so it sounds like the synths on the record, ideally. Um, and then you had to be able to play them all at the same time. And I just didn't sleep for like three days. Poor 17-year-old Ben. I literally just locked myself in my basement. Oh. I slept like I probably slept like three hours a night. Remember, my mom came down. She's like, I think you need to take a break. I was like, Mom, you don't get it. I'll fail. I'll, I'll do so bad. I just no. need to do this. Um, but anyways, I did all my prep work. I show up at the gig. Yeah, I, I so I, I had paper charts for everything. And I had the whole set list laid out perfectly so I could get from one song to the next. And after about three songs, I started calling songs from all over the set. And they wanted to get from one song to the next oh. really quick. And I couldn't find it. And so I was like getting all stressed out. And then when you get too stressed out, you start playing worse. And then you get more stressed out. And then this is nasty cycle. It's like so stressful when they're like, one, two, three, four. And you haven't even found the chart for the next song yet. Right. Oh. But the, the 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 culmination of it, this sort of made me just like I like went home after this and wanted to quit music for a night. Um, the the bride came up and she's like, "Hey, my dad, um, he like used to sing in a band. His song oh, no. was Sweet Caroline. Um, could you just come up and play with you guys?" And we're like, "Sure, we don't care. You can come up and you can come up and sing." So he comes up and everybody from the wedding runs up to the front of the stage, uh, and there's probably a couple hundred people here. And the, the intro for Sweet Caroline is this is the horn line that goes da 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 And this is, it was such a stupid mistake. I thought it came in on beat two. So one, two, three, four, one. So the drummer counts in. I play on beat two. It's supposed to come in on beat one. And we run through like three measures and he starts to like yell singing the line at me and i thought he was wrong and he stops in front of everybody goes you want to try that again and i was just like mortified embarrassed in front of these like 200 people first like real gig ever and i went yup and i thought he was wrong so i confidently did the second thing a second time no. over and then i didn't realize till after that it was entirely my bad but it was just like this really and i was like totally sleep deprived and so yeah. it, it was a rough gig i went home at the end of my bed i was like i want to quit music maybe i'll go code computers or something i don't know um but i got I, over it. i can't imagine anything more stressful i mean it it, was that terrible. just sounds like an a, a gig from hell i mean in every, in every aspect of it oh my yeah. god i'm so it sorry great no it it worked out and one of the blessings of that was nothing has ever been that bad on a gig level ever there again and <clears throat> so I, I i got like a few more requests after that which i was shocked about that i got callbacks and i was like terrified to hit accept on those gigs but i made myself do it and then i had like so, like a couple rough moments here and there but then it was like no gig ever scared me again cuz it was like it can't be that bad right <laughs> like it, it can't you I'm, know i'm so glad you found a silver lining in that in that experience because most people yeah. wouldn't wow come on ben you've yeah. got to got to got to have a best gig or at least not a best gig one of your favorite gigs other than catastrophe of course <laughs> I was in a band for a, a number of years uh, called Harbor and Home. Th that, that was probably the most accomplished group I was a part of. A, a, there was a good following. We had a record that we recorded and released, and we did a show in Maple Grove, Minnesota. At the at, they have like a, this beautiful amphitheater, and it was in the height of COVID. <clears throat> and the lead singer 
or the lead singer works for this company called IDCOM, which is a company that does audio and visual for like major events. Um, And nobody in the whole company had any work. And so he was like, Hey, coworkers, you guys are all bored. Do you want to just come help us out? Um, And so we got just insane tech for this gig. Um, After the gig was all said and done, um, I was like, how much would it cost if we had actually rented all the speakers, all the lights, all the live stream equipment paid for all the people. It was something crazy. Like it probably been like a hundred grand or something. Wow. For and it was all free. And so like, we felt like rock stars. Cause yeah. like, it was like pretty much sold out. There was like a ton of people. It was this brand new record. We had like camera guys running around. We had lights, we had fog. We had like, <laughs> like practically like little cranes with our like PA. And it was like, it was intense, um, but wow. it, it was just such a fun, such a fun gig. That's, that's one that sticks out for me. I think that does sound like a lot of fun. Well, we have to wrap it up, Ben. And thank you. I'm so glad you thought of a good gig. Um, (laughs) But I want to just talk about Castastrophe again for just a minute, just to tell people when it is. It's uh, January 20th, 21st, and 22nd. The 20th and 21st is Friday and Saturday. It's at 730. The 22nd is a Sunday. It's at 2 o'clock. And uh, you can get tickets at NorthfieldArtsGuildTheater.org. Or go down to the office and get them or call 507-645-8877 for tickets and get a chance to hear Ben on that synth play all sorts of parts and on the guitar and uh, make actually lift the band up from really great to wow. It really is wow. Yeah. All right. So now you know how to see Ben play in Northfield uh, in the Hestastrophe 3 during our wonderful, wonderful show. I hope you come to um, uh where do we find your music? So we heard two of your songs today. Where do we find the rest of your music? Yeah, I have uh, all my stuff on every streaming platform you can find. So I actually have my music under two different artist names. I have uh, Ben Howe, H-O-W-E, is like my contemporary, regular, normal music. And then I I did a record for my church. So if if you're interested in that. Uh, that's under Benjamin Howe. I just figured I, I would separate the two sure. genres. Um, so I've got, I think, eight or nine songs out between the two. And then I've got uh, a couple songs in the pipeline that will be coming out in the next few months. And you have a Facebook page as well. Uh, yeah, I'm more active on Instagram, but I'm, I'm, I have okay. uh, pages wherever you'll find p- pages. <laughs> okay, got it. Uh, if you want to listen to uh, Ben's stuff as he releases them. Uh, keep your eye peeled for him at either Ben Howe, H-O-W-E, or Benjamin Howe, H-O-W-E. All right. Yeah. Thanks so much, Ben. This was a lot of fun. I learned a lot about you, and you have a lot of really great things to say. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a really good time. All right. And we will see you at the show. Awesome. Take care. Bye-bye. Many, many thanks to Ben for sharing his musical journey and his beautiful music with us today. Thanks always to Wendy Nordquist and to you, dear listener, for tuning into Musician Talk on the One, KYMN. Have a terrific day.